We are very close, Lieutenant. Win, a Vietnamese Marine, whispered. How close is very? Hank asked. One, two hundred meters at most, came the soft reply. Hank peered into the black jungle night and could see nothing. The only clue to human habitation was the smell of cooking fires permeating the thick, humid air. The village was where the Hoi Khan, the Viet Cong defector, had said Hua was hiding out. No part of this operation was simple. Hua, a Vietnamese citizen suspected of dealing arms and other contraband to the communist guerrillas, had a well-organized operation. Hank's mission was to put him out of business. Those up the chain of command wanted him to take Hua alive so they could interrogate him and determine how he got the weapons and ammo he sold. At his pre-mission briefing, however, Hank was told the commanders would settle for putting the man out of business forever if capture was not possible. His written orders had used the phrase, neutralize the target. Hank had no idea how to spirit the man alive to an American base without the mission turning into a combat zone, with him vastly outnumbered. But it was his job to try. Hank checked his watch and saw it was 4.05. They were right on schedule. He signaled gunner's mate Brian Ayotte, who was on point to move out with all possible caution. No words passed between the SEALs. The men in Hank's platoon had been together since their SEAL training and had an elaborate system of hand signals that were all their own. It was a lot safer than speaking this deep in enemy territory. The normally cheery Ayat, who had such keen eyes the men swore he could see in the dark, moved out quietly. He was a full head taller than Radio Man Second Class Russ Bush, the man who followed him, and Ayotte's swim partner. Hank had selected Bush, who had just barely passed the Navy's height requirement for a SEAL, for his team because he had acquired first-hand knowledge of the area from an earlier firefight. Bush needed to be near Hank and the point man to give directional guidance whenever possible. Hank also wanted to be close to the Vietnamese Marine they had brought in to assist them. He didn't fully trust Wynn, but he knew he might need his language skills in a tight spot. Following Hank were Chester Hack lugging the heavier M60 machine gun and his swim partner, gunner's mate second-class Lanny Vispo, who was on rear guard. The lanky Vispo was a joker who kept his comrades loose and amused at the base, but he was all business in the field. He was the only man Hank could dream of protecting their backs. The Hoi Khan had said Hua was easily recognizable because he always wore a safari jacket and hat and kept a pearl-handled Colt forty-five strapped to his hip. Hua had bragged the pistol had come off the body of a dead green beret. Hank, however, doubted that his quarry wore the jacket, hat, and pistol in bed, which is where the platoon planned to nab him. He silently hoped the intelligence they had about Hua's sleeping quarters was accurate. Intelligence in the past did not always live up to its name. The silence of the jungle was absolute, raising Hank's suspicions. Had something interrupted the calls of the nightbirds and driven off the insects? 
A chill went up Hank's spine, and he lifted his hand to signal a halt. An explosion shattered the darkness and the quiet. Wynne was flung screaming into the air as he tripped a landmine. His puny frame was silhouetted by the multicolored flash of high explosives. The seals dove for cover a moment too late as flares lit the skies above them. Bush and Ayat were riddled with bullets before they hit the ground, their bodies jerking in the macabre dance all seals feared. Chatter of AK-47s filled the night air as dozens of muzzle flashes erupted from the surrounding jungle. Hank quickly crawled to where Vispo and Hack were scrambling for cover. It's a fucking trap! The bastards knew we were coming! Head for the primary extraction point! I'll cover you!